Welcome to the Pat Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we do once a week to bring some of the learning that we've generated over decades of supporting people who've lost a pet. And we compiled that information into our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. But we bring this broadcast to you because we want to be able to share the information that we've gleaned over time with the group and with other clinical sessions with people and their, and their families. We want to bring this information to as broad an audience as we can so that you can all gain from it. And today we're doing a recorded program, which we needed to do because our schedules got very complicated this week, but we will be back to a live program on Thursday the following week. So Nancy, do you want to get us started? Sure. Um, you know, we've had so many questions over so many years. Um, I think what we were going to start to look at is how do I really get through this, this devastating loss? Um, so one of the questions that came through was, I can't seem to get through the death of my cat. She was my companion for 20 years. I don't have children and I'm not married. Every day is lonely. I am lost without her. How can I get through this? Yeah, well, it, it points out, this question points out how significant mm -hmm. the loss of a pet is in many people's lives. It is enormously important. It leaves an enormous hole in one's life. And, and we've heard that similar kinds of things from people who are not single, who have yeah. family around them because there's such profound intimacy that they find in their connection with their animal friend. And so it's a very common feeling. And also this idea, like, how am I going to do this? How long is this going to take? Why is it taking so long is something that, that we've heard a lot as well. And how do you get through it? Well, first of all, the thing that, that strikes me is that this person is acknowledging mm -hmm. what this means, what this loss means. And, and that's part of the healing. You have to just be present with the extraordinary impact and pain and sadness of the loss. And it's being present with that over time that turns this extraordinarily painful reality into something that becomes, it's hard to, it's hard to say this, and, and I don't mean to diminish it at all, but it becomes more just sort of the way things are mm. over time. And so that's the first comment that I would make is that you, you're doing the right thing by just acknowledging it right. and feeling it and, and saying how very difficult it is because it's the saying and the feeling it and the being with it over time that allows it to become more sort of normal. It becomes somewhat normal, normalized because the last task of mourning is to assimilate um, the loss into your life so mm -hmm. that your functioning is pretty much the same as it was before the loss. However, your life is inevitably changed because mm -hmm. of that relationship. And you know, the interesting part is we have talked about this before, Ken, a lot is it's not it's it's the relationship you grieve. 
And the relationship with an animal is very different than a relationship with a human being. And yeah. so, you know, that that animal gets woven into your life. They're there every day. Mm -hmm. They don't leave your side. They don't care what you look like, how much money you have, what, what you're doing. They mm -hmm. just love you. They mm -hmm. are pure and it's unconditional. And so when people say, well, you know, it's you know, your grandmother died too. Well, yeah, that's sad. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the same. It, it's just a different relationship and it's not the legs, it's the relationship. So yeah, that's yeah. what people then say, wow, okay, I grieved more for my animal than I ever did for anyone else in my life, except a child. We didn't, yeah. we never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you said, it, it leaves an enormous gaping whole in every day in your everyday routine the relationship was part of your everyday routine you are you're you're seeing this animal when you wake up in the morning they're greeting you they're there when you come home from work or now they're all over you when you're trying to get work done it's, it's <laughs> like right. a few minutes ago thankfully she's moved over to another place but they're they're part of you in a very in a very simple yet deep kind of way and so when we lose them we have to re we have to create a new routine in their absence right we have, to, we have to so how do i get through this well you you think about how do i create that new routine and at the same time how do i perhaps every day do something that memorializes and connects me to their memory in a way that feels healing. And so people will do things like they'll they'll write a little something down every day about how they're remembering their friend. Or they will have constructed a a physical place that serves memory. So they'll have if it's a cat, maybe they'll have their bowl there or maybe their their catnip toy there. Sure, you know, a little sure. counter or they'll have some photographs maybe they'll have some clippings from their hair maybe they'll have a paw print all the kinds of things that connect them and they might visit that space in a routine kind of way maybe that's something they do at the time that they would have fed their cat in the mm -hmm. morning and so there are all kinds of rituals that you can create they don't have to be big things no either. very small things that you do that help you to create that new routine and to move forward with your life as it has changed it's, you know, it's, it's changed it's, profoundly i talk to people about the transition you know that your animal is with you you're just going through the transition of not being able to touch or to hold or to pet or to kiss. And that transition's hard, but I, but remember they're still here and they will always be here. And so it, it, it moves them in a little bit of a direction and, you know, as they go through the grieving to know that, yes, they still think about that animal. They still love that animal. Um, Cause that grieving. So let me, let me just ask you, that's very beautiful what you said, how are they still here? Maybe say more about that when you said well, they're still here. They're still here in your, in your memories. 
right? Mm -hmm. Every, you know, like in the beginning, it's hard, especially with uh, difficult deaths, you know, because that image is still there. But as time goes on, all those memories start to come up when they were a kitten or when they were a puppy or the time when you took them on vacation or going through agility classes with them or, you know, just having them lay in, in front of the fire in the winter or being on your lap when you're watching movies or whatever that might be, they live on in, in, in your heart. I mean, obviously you're thinking about them, but they're really here because there's such a warm feeling. The difficulty is, of course, not having them there anymore, but they haven't left. You know? so, so the way I understand what you said is that you hold on to them in many different ways, through, through memory, through, through just kind of keeping them in your mind and in your heart. And that, that is, that's the new way that you hold on to the relationship. Yes. Because grieving is that process. And eventually, like we just talked, you will get through it to the other side. But that doesn't mean that you will never, you will ever not, for, you'll never for, not remember them. I mean, you'll never forget yeah. them. They're just, they're just wonderful. And every relationship that you have, you know, with another animal as you go along, and sometimes people don't, but if they do, it's the same thing. It's just a different relationship. But in the end, they all are here. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And that, and it was interesting because when we were talking about how we were going to do this, um, you've already started in what our chapter in the book was, right? How do we how do we get through that? How do we get through? We had worked on routines, right? Yeah. The, di yeah. the different types of routines that you can do. Yeah, and and what about that question of when is this going to end? I still am encumbered with such sadness, and now it's months down the. The road because we've seen people who who are just really burdened for a very very long time what do we say to people who who feel like when is this gonna when is this gonna clear when am i gonna feel better well it's interesting because everyone grieves differently right and we've talked yeah. about that in other episodes i think that there was one gentleman that was very distraught for a period of a couple of weeks and then he was he was okay you know he was, mm -hmm. he was better but his wife was still grieving months later. Um, you, they, you will get through it. I mean, obviously, in some small percentages, people do sometimes get into a space where they have complicated grief, which is means that the grief is as, as, as intense in the beginning as it is maybe six or nine months down the road. That definitely needs help by a therapist you know, to kind of work through that. Well, it's it never, never is going to hurt to see a therapist, right. right? I mean, it's never going to be, there's not going to be negative results from that. It's just going to be only beneficial, more support in your life. And the way that I think about it is also that you are going to grieve for as long as you need to. Exactly. Here we there, go. And there he is. <laughs> this is Esme. <laughs> And so cute. So <laughs> and uh, and and it's it's not a good idea to pass judgment on yourself right. about the duration. If you are if you're doing okay every day, if you're taking care of what you need to, and yet 
there are times when you're feeling very sad, you're feeling very, you're reminiscing in a way that brings tears. Mm -hmm. That's that's just that's the way you grieve. And mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's something amiss. Mm -hmm. And and if you if you are if you are distressed by how much that's happening, then there may be there maybe are some things that you can do. So some things that come to mind for me are to try to recall some of the things that tend to bring joy into your life that maybe you haven't been putting the energy towards. So maybe you want to spend a little more energy calling friends who you haven't mm -hmm. spoken to in a while. I mean, those, those kinds of things. Maybe you want to, if you, if you used to play an instrument, but you haven't done that for a while, maybe pick up something yeah. that, that used to bring pleasure to you because in a point of transition, sometimes it's a good thing to reactivate those kinds of patterns from an earlier time in your life that were gratifying. Or you could create new ones because yeah. maybe that the grief, the whole the whole process of, of the, the emotional response could create maybe the need to write or yeah. the need to yep. paint or yep. the need to get involved in some other kind of creative activity that means something, that says something about your relationship with your animal. Mm -hmm. um, so that's also can be something, not just not to, only reactivate but to actually do something new yeah yeah and 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 just not be judgmental i think it's so hard sometimes for people because everybody else around you may be in one way or, or i shouldn't say everybody but some people around you might be imposing judgment even if they're not doing it directly and verbally there may be ways that they're kind of asking you to snap out of it and that may just not be where you need to be at the time. Well, it's also one of the things that we talk about is to be careful with who you choose to share with. Yep. Yep. Because that could be, especially at work or even personally, because a lot of, a lot, there are some people out there that just don't understand. They mm -hmm. don't, they've never had, to their disadvantage, but they've never had a relationship with an animal, so they don't know. And so, when you talk to some people that don't understand and also people don't know how to be with people that are sad so yeah. they don't know how to deal with grieving their own or others that's important for you in the beginning just to you know be cautious and be connected to the people that do care and do understand and i think that that's really important um so the other thing is, is to keep healthy and keep moving right yeah yeah yeah, so doing some kind of movement, whether it is a full-on exercise program or whether it's stretching or whether it's walking or whatever, whether it's some kind of, some variation of yoga, good idea to do the kind of stuff that is fundamental to resilience, to health, and so, moving, paying attention to nutrition, right. doing a, a real assessment of, of the additional stresses in your life, because this is a massive stress yes. for many, many people. And all of this is important. Self-care routines become really important at a time where we're grieving. And they're also, they're also the 
often the first things that people will put aside because exactly. they don't, you know, they're preoccupied. They're preoccupied. They're immobilized. They're upset. Um, they're depressed. So it's very hard for people to get active or to take mm -hmm. care of themselves. Mm -hmm. But it is it is a helpful group of things to do to get you through the grieving. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we all know that depression creates passivity and passivity creates more depression. So, you know, to, to try to move through that the best way you can. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, nutrition is important. Sleep is important, you know, and that and for in the beginning, and we all understand that that's going to be a very difficult thing to accomplish. Mm -hmm. We, we, we have another question that I, I think we can, and I'm going to just sort of paraphrase it because it's, okay. it's kind of long. And it, the, the question is, my dog was sick for so many years. I loved him so much. I devoted a lot of time to his care. And, and now when I feel some relief, I feel mm -hmm. some movement away from my grief, I feel like in one way or another, that's being disrespectful to his memory. Right. Or that's sort of betraying his memory. And, and again, this is a theme that we've seen right. over and over again. And, and, it's, and it, it, can, it can make some people feel like they should hang on to the pain the of their grief that's right. for longer than maybe they absolutely have to. And then one, one thing I just add to that is when I say longer, grief comes and goes. Right. Even exactly. years later. Right. You may have some times where you just really feel the sadness That's of right. this loss. And so it's it's never it's never completely over. But but what about when somebody feels like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm feeling I'm feeling something yeah. of relief or joy or or having fun even. And how can I do that when my friend is no longer here and, and is no longer yeah. alive? There's a couple things with that particular question because one is the amount of time that some some people use to take care of their animals. I mean, if you're medicating an animal three times a day, if you take are taking them to acupuncture, if you are you know feeding them a certain food that you have diet that you have to make, if if you are you know making their their bedroom routine somewhat you know better for them so they're not in pain. I mean, whatever these things are, when that animal dies, what do you do with all that time? Right. You know, right. so there's this time factor and people are like immobilized now. Now they may be relieved because all of that caretaking is done, but they're also distraught and upset because they have been so intimately connected to that animal and yet they have all, all this time. So doing finding something to do having a creative outlet taking the walks doing something else physically connecting to people that really care about you make making a memorial a lot of memorials and rituals and no matter how many times you do that that's fine you yeah. know but then yes anybody gets to a place that i'm not really thinking i'm not really crying as much anymore or i'm not really as upset anymore and so am I betraying my animal because I'm not that upset anymore? You know, and that comes in any, any grieving, you know, yeah. process. It, it's, and, and, and what you said, I think is, is, is so important is this imposition of structure, creation of structure. 
And that's one of the things that I think people often don't take, they don't take to, to heart that I actually can create structure yeah. for myself that is not, an, it's, not an, it's not coming from outside obligation. It's not coming from an obligation to relationship. It's actually me saying it's good for me to create a structure that will help me to accomplish what's good for me in my life and help me keep me healthy. And I, I think that's a real interesting question for many people. And I can tell you that, that when I moved from working in the corporate world to doing my own business and, and having more of my own mastery of, of time, that was, a, that was kind of a revelation that, mm -hmm. that it's really up to me at a certain, certain parts of my time and increasing in a huge amount of it once I left the corporate world, it's now up to me to structure. Mm -hmm. And because there's no, there's no external structure. And while that's a great opportunity, it's also a challenge. And I think that what you're talking about is is similar in a way that all of a sudden you don't have to do all of these things you do. You don't, you didn't, you don't have to do all of these measures of care. And now you can decide what you're going to do. And in fact, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that you deserve to do. You deserve to take ownership of doing that. And, and I think that that can, that can just be hard for some people. Well, I'm sure it's hard because it takes that period of time for, for with the grieving, right? So in the beginning, they everyone's distraught, can't move, can't breathe, miscombobulated, sick. You know, there's all these things that go on. And as time, those waves, you know, that process goes on, then maybe they can start to do some of those things that will help them move through the grieving. Um, to picking up, you know, a musical instrument, making sure that they walk. Um, it's still going to be hard, but I will say this, it, to not go through the process will potentially create a lot of other problems. And we've seen that people can pick up and uh, use substances because mm -hmm. they don't want to deal with the pain. They don't want to yeah. deal with the sadness. Um, they could get more severely depressed or they could develop some psychosomatic illness because it has to come out. Yeah, it, yeah so exactly. Grieving has to move out of yeah. you. And yeah. then who wants to feel all that? But yeah. if it's not done, then these other things could create more problems. Yeah, one of the one of the best trainings on grief that I had occurred very early in my career as a therapist, and we were given this this mimeographed sheet that really will date me, and and it was it was a picture of a valley, you know, starting with the loss and then going down to the depths of sadness and then coming up to a place where you were. You had integrated the the understanding that the world had changed forever, and and I remember the the speaker, wonderful facilitator, and I think her name was Bess Bailey, but I can't remember if I'm I don't know if I'm exactly accurate. 
she said, you know, so, so many times people try to throw a line across. They try to throw a line across yeah. the valley and somehow a- get across. And she said, it, it's never a good idea. It will, it will never, it will never serve you well. No. You'll try to cover the pain. You'll try to avoid it. She said, you know, people do things like, as you said, they'll use substances or they'll just try to stay stuck in denial. Like we'll never speak of them again. Right. You know, that I kind of thing. do that because they just yeah. cannot deal. We'll with never them. speak of them again. We'll pretend right. they never existed right. or they will get another pet when they're really not ready for another mm-hmm. pet. And they're not thinking that through. And, and so what happens is they create in effect more pain, more problems for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and as you said, and, or they just try to hold it all together and then maybe they get, some kind of body symptoms, yeah, whatever their symptoms migraines, right. you know. yeah. and, and so her idea was the only way to the other side is to go through it, is, yeah. to, is to take the journey through and, and realize that this is a journey that you've done many, many times before. And she talked about things like, you know, when you first went to school, sometimes when children go to school or they go to daycare for the first time. They, they're distraught. It's a huge loss. For, and it's a huge loss for those of us who are parents as well right. to, to give them to the world in a sense. And, and she, was, she was saying, you know, certainly if you, if you moved at any time in your life, when you were a child or as an adult, you went through met. So, so one of the things that this speaker talked about, and I've always carried with me and repeated, is that we are very pract- we're more practiced at going through the process of grief than we might imagine we are. That's true, because it's a lot of different losses. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I, I would, I, I've, I've heard some therapists say that they're not, they, they don't like to deal with, with grief. And whenever I hear that, I think, you know, and I'm, I'm a therapist and I have great regard for, for therapists and the profession of therapy. But when I hear a therapist say, I, I don't take, cases that include grief. What, what I think is the words that I remember either this or another speaker saying that I carry for myself is grief is the, is the essential human experience. Right. It is absolutely essential. And we have to, as therapists, be prepared to help people move through grief because That's it's everywhere. Every change. All the time. Brings grief. And so we have to be equipped with helping people navigate grief. And in fact, all of us have the skills. They, they, may be, they may not be terribly practiced and we may not like that we have to exercise them, but we have them. Or we wouldn't be adults. We wouldn't be successful right, because you had, adults. We wouldn't be functioning. Loss. That's right. right because we've been time. through so many losses right. by the time we've reached even young adulthood that we know how to do this. We just have to allow ourselves to work through the process. Allow ourselves to do it and try to embrace it to get moved through it. Because again, if you continue to repress it, then it just does more damage. We, yeah. we need to trust ourselves yeah. with this. Trust ourselves that we, we're, we're going to be okay. We have the skills. We have the resilience. And that there is a kind of integration of the knowledge of the loss ahead which will make life more livable and okay 
at some point in the future. Now, I don't want to say that to somebody really early on because no, that doesn't fit where they are. But but it is important to recognize we will get through this. We always we'll do. get through this. I just worked with a couple, and it was a similar situation with the very uh, lovely, lovely little dog that they and never had a dog, and they were completely attached. Mm-hmm. And the first four or five sessions were, you know, them just not being able to speak. I mean, they really yeah. were devastated. A couple of weeks after that, she called and said, you know, we had to change an appointment time. And she said, I guess I am doing a little better. You know, so, but for many weeks, it was, she could barely speak. So we, you will get through it. We we'll all get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's a note to end on today, Nancy. We, we, we will get through it. We always do. Yeah. It's, it's a long journey for some. And, and for others, maybe it's shorter or it's more sporadic, but we get through it. We all get through it. All right, Ken, I guess we'll see each other next week. We'll see each other next week.